All right, we are back to podcast. Let's take our Bibles tonight and turn to the book of Mark, chapter number 6. Mark, chapter 6 in the Bible. And um, it's been a great day in the Lord. Very good day. Um, staying with the ship. I think I'm going to stay with the ship, folks. Um, we, <clears throat> we may be torn and beaten and battered a little bit by the time we get there. But we're going to get to where we're headed to if we stay with the ship. And um, got nowhere else to go. I can tell you that right now. I got, I mean, Lord, I identify with Peter. Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. I want you to look in Mark 6 with me uh, this evening. This is a very long chapter uh, in the book of Mark. I want to say 56 verses, I believe it is. Yeah, 56. We'll get about half of that or so. Um, so we're going to break Mark 6 up just as we did Mark 5. I hope you're enjoying Mark. I love studying and teaching about the Lord. Uh, it's my favorite subject in the Bible. I love the Word of God. And I love David. I love Genesis. I love the Psalms. But studying, I love Paul, but studying and teaching about the Lord is, is my absolute favorite. I hope you have a good week and be safe. And um, I pray God that uh, bring us each one back safely. And uh, we're going to start here in verse number one. And he went from thence and came into his own country and his disciples followed him. So this is after he has uh, cast out the demon of the maniac of Gadara. It is also after he has raised Jairus' daughter, as well as healed the woman with the issue of blood. So now uh, he's going back into his own country, and his disciples are following him. That's what a disciple does. They follow after someone, they follow the teachings of someone, follow the life and the ministry of someone. So in uh, in in light of uh, a true disciple, they are following the Lord Jesus. That's what he said. Take up your cross daily and follow me. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. So notice he's always going... At this time, the established religion is is still the Jewish religion. And he here's the beauty in what Jesus is doing. He is going totally against their hearts. Jesus this this is so so ingenious of him. It's just like him being God. But Jesus never violates their word. He never violates the law. He never violates the Torah, what they believe, what they're holding to and clinging to. What he does is he penetrates and exposes the hypocrisy of their hearts. He exposes their fakeness. He exposes the emptiness and the shallowness of their religion. And in so doing, that is so akin to today that true teaching, biblical teaching, 
will expose a fake and a religious heart. And so, as is his custom, he continually goes into the Sabbath day. He's teaching. He's a teacher, of course, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, from, the, from whence hath this man these things? They will know how he's learned them. He's never been to the schools of the prophets. He's never been to a, a Torah training or a synagogue training. He just happens to know these things. He, he knows them because he, he fingered the Word of God. He wrote the Word of God. But not only that, he spent his entire life studying and reading the Word of God. You know, I, I've got a, I've got a formal education, formal, formal education. I've got a doctorate degree, an earned doctorate degree. But I never, I, I, I don't even, I don't hang it. It's, it's, I, it's up in my closet. If we had a church office, I probably wouldn't hang it there. Because the reality is. You, you can go through school and an education and still not know the, the depths of the teachings of the Word of God. Jesus has never been to any kind of formal training. You say, Jesus, yeah, but he's setting the example in that he is a student of the Scriptures as well. And so he's teaching. And they're astonished. They want to know where he learned this, these sayings. From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and of Judah and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. So they, they see nothing in his pedigree. That reminds me of, of a lot of the way churches have went. It reminds me of the way churches operate. They are concerned about pedigree. They're concerned about seminary. They're concerned about who, who what line they come from, what group they come from, what uh, sect they come from, instead of, can this person teach the Word of God to me? So they, they're offended at the fact that He's just a carpenter's son. And so it's an insult that when, when they ask this question, is, is this not the carpenter? They're essentially insulting him. I'm going to tell you. Americans, Westerners have sanitized Christianity to suit their liking and their fitting. They have. Car, I don't know if you've been around a lot of carpenters, not all of them, but it, they're not always the most couth bunch, kind of a rough bunch. Fishermen are an extremely rough bunch, okay? In fact, I, you know, as a, I hate the, there's a popular show, The Dirty, Dirtiest Job, or no, I'm sorry, what, The Deadliest Catch. It's held as the, the world's most dangerous the occupation and understanding that that's who Jesus is that that's who his crowd is that's who is coming to him that's who's getting saved 
this church crowd, this religious crowd doesn't want anything to do with him but carpenters and fishermen and, and such the like. They're, they're gravitating towards Jesus. So don't ever let modern Western sanitized Christianity uh, turn you away from what true Christianity is. And it's the fact that he, he came after the sick. He came after those that need a physician. And so they insult Jesus. Is not this a carpenter? What's he doing teaching in the synagogue? How does he know all this stuff? He's just a carpenter. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. And so he's saying, and, and you know, verse 4, every one of us have lived that, every single one of us. If you have tried to witness to anybody that is close to you, in your family, in your closer sect, you will find that it is often harder, more difficult, tougher for you to have credibility with those that are closest to you than you do a stranger on the street. Because, say you got saved before your parents, or you got saved and your parents didn't. To you, you're their son. To you, you're their daughter. And... They they look at it in terms of that's just my child. I'm glad they're trying religion. That's that's what they think. Same for your children. Same same for your closest uh, acquaintances. It's always more difficult to be the 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 influential witness that we could and should be towards those closest to us. That harkens back to verse number six or four of Mark six. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. I remember when I was in the mountains, there were opportunities to come back then, you know, to come back and pastor, come back and take churches. And the Lord put this verse in my heart oftentimes. He is, and he said, I've got you where I want you, where your message is being received. Now, I am pastoring in Kannapolis, where I'm from, and uh, there there is a group that is responsive to the message in that I'm preaching, and I thank God for every one of you, but the mass, as it was there, is it, 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 the, you know, not as many, I'll say that, and, and that lends to the Word of God. The Bible teaches that. I don't, I'm not upset at that I don't don't look feel bad about that that's what Jesus is saying a prophet is not without honor so everyone's going to honor him that's what he says but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house and in his own among his own country and among his own kin and in his own house they will not honor him like a stranger will a lot of Bible truth there. And he could there do no mighty works, save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. So, Jesus' numbers, Jesus' sphere of influence was not as great 
among those that were closest to him, those that he knew the best, as it was to those who were strangers to him. And that's very true to what we see today. All right, let's continue on. Verse number six, and he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went round about the village's teaching. So he said, all right, that's not going to stop me from teaching. That's not going to stop me from doing the work of God, and nor should it you and I. Because someone doesn't recognize or, or want to acknowledge our sphere of influence and, and credibility, that shouldn't stop us from teaching and 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 believing and, and preaching and loving the word of God. We should just we should just give truth and expose truth to those that do want to hear it. And he called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth two by two, and he gave them power over unclean spirits. And he commanded them that they should take nothing for their journey, save a staff only, no script, no bread, no money in their purse, but be shod with sandals and not put on two coats. And he said unto them, In what place? So every ye enter into an house. So he's sending them out but two by two, and... Um, they had been chosen before this, but now he, he's telling them to go out in his name. So that's that's the perspective that he's taken. And he's giving them commandment. And uh, then we see in verse 8 the, the word scrip. A scrip is a wallet or a small bag, and it, and it would hold provisions. And they would carry these bags when they went on journeys. Uh, notice verse 8 there. They don't take any money with them. Uh, the Bible says a purse, that means a belt. And then in verse 9, it says not to put on two coats. Uh, it just simply means that they were not to take a change of clothing with them. He wants them to go light. Uh, very, very spiritual meaning there. We we shouldn't have too much baggage in this world. We shouldn't have too many things that would hold us down and, and bog us down. And I have to be reminded of that. And I have to kind of go through that and that, that reminder in my own life. And he tells them, he says, don't, don't take two coats with you. Okay, don't take two coats with you. All right? Don't be bogged down. Then the Bible says here, uh, Whosoever shall not receive you, verse 11, nor hear you when you depart, thence Go under a juniper tree and cry about it. No, that's not what he says. Get your feelings hurt about it. Nope, that's not what he says. Let it dominate the rest of your life. Nope, that's not what it says. Verse 11, And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear you when you depart then, shake off the dust under your feet for a testimony against them. Barely I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. What does that mean, preacher? That simply means that Jesus is teaching the apostles how to handle rejection. You know, I, I grew up loving AI. I grew up, I, I guess God had a hand in it from my earliest formations. I grew up loving baseball. Baseball is called a game of failure because if you succeed 
three out of 10 times up to bat, that's three hits out of 10. That's a 300 batting average. That's considered Hall of Fame numbers. And they call it a game of failure. And it's made for the mentally strong. Well, guess what? Jesus is trying to teach his disciples this. How to handle loss. How to handle failure. How to handle rejection. How to handle those that don't want to hear it. You see, we're so sensitive. People today are so sensitive. Preachers are extremely sensitive. They're some of the most sensitive lots I've ever seen. And it's very unbecoming of the Bible and unbecoming of Christ. Okay? Quit obsessing over who rejects. If it's over a heartbreak because they're going to hell, that's one thing. But it's not personal towards you. And quit obsessing over the fact that they rejected. Jesus said when someone rejects you, they reject your gospel message, they reject your church, they reject what you're teaching, preaching, believing, that that's not a reflection of you. That is a reflection of their hard heart and stubborn will to reject the truth of the gospel of the word of God. So shake your feet off against them and move on. And I have done that my entire ministry. I know people think it's callous. I know people think it's cold. I know they think it's uncaring. I show you that it is Bible. If someone doesn't stay, if someone leaves, we most people live in their emotions. They live in their feelings. They live in their flesh. But Jesus said, if they reject you, shake the dust off your feet. That means that's it. Okay, move on. I'm shaking the dust off my feet in this city, and I'm going somewhere else. And that's what he's trying to teach his disciples. Everybody's not going to stay. Everybody's not going to like it. Everybody's not going to listen. And for those that don't, shake the dust off your feet. And go. Boy, this Bible's so good. It's so good. Verse 12, And they went out and preached that men should repent. So they're preaching a message of repentance. And they cast out many devils and anointed with oil many that were sick and healed them. Now we come to this, this portion of the gospel account, this portion of the, the, the biography of, of Jesus' account. And... John the Baptist is slain. Let's find out what happens with him and why. King Herod heard of him, for his name was spread abroad, and he said that John the Baptist was risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show forth themselves in him. So John's already dead at this point. Herod's heard of Jesus. He's thinking, who's doing this? Is John back from the dead? Others said that it is Elias, that's Elijah, and others said that it is a prophet or as one of the prophets. But when Herod heard thereof, he said, It is John whom I beheaded, he is risen from the dead. Now here's the story of, of what got John in trouble. For Herod himself had sent forth and laid hold upon John and bound him in prison for Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's wife, for he had married her. 
for John had said unto Herod, It is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. So he's preaching against Herod having, having his brother. It, look at this. He said, it, For Herodias' sake, his brother Philip's life, for he married her. Um, so, verse 18, For he said, Herod, it is not lawful for thee to have thy brother's wife. Therefore Herodias had a quarrel against him and would have killed him, but she could not. So she hates John. She hates John for pointing out her sin. This woman despises John for pointing out her sin. For Herod feared John, knowing that he was a just man and holy, and observed him. And when he had heard him, he did many things and heard him and heard him daily. So Herod liked John. He liked listening to John. You know, I, I know a lot of people. That, look at this. Herod likes John, his wife Herodias. Look, look at this. It's, it's so, I've seen this so many times. Or his brother Philip's wife, and Herod looked, Herod liked to hear him preach. She couldn't stand John, and I've had people like that to split down households. Husband like me. Wife didn't. Wife like me, husband didn't. Vice versa. And I've also seen people that enjoyed the preaching, but they still wouldn't repent in their heart. They've enjoyed hearing the Word of God being taught on an intellectual and learning level, but they they never let it penetrate their heart to where they're changed. Verse 21 and when he had a convenient day, he came, that Herod on his birthday made a supper to his lords, high captains, and chief estates of Galilee's birthday party. And when the daughter of the Herodias came in and danced and pleased Herod, and them that sat with him, the king said unto the damsel, Ask of me whatsoever thou wilt, and I will give it thee. This is a sick situation, man. And he swore unto her, Whatsoever thou shalt ask of me, I will give it thee unto the half of my kingdom. He said, I'll give you anything you want. I've watched you dance. My lust is, is built in towards you, and I'll give you anything you want because, because I'm burning in my lust even half of my kingdom. <clears throat> and she went forth, and here's what she said unto her mother. What shall I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. And she came in straightway with haste unto the king and asked, saying, I will that thou give me by and by in a charger the head of John the Baptist. Charger would be the plate with the lid on top and John the Baptist's head there. And the king was exceeding sorry, yet for his own sake and for their sakes which sat with him, he would not reject her. And immediately the king sent an executioner and... Um, it, so the Bible says the king said uh, the king was exceeding sorry for his own sake. Verse twenty-eight, uh, twenty-seven. Sorry, and immediately the king sent an executioner and commanded his head to be brought. He went and beheaded him in the prison, brought his head in a charger, gave it to the damsel, and the damsel gave it to her mother. And when the disciples heard of it, they came and took up its course and laid it in a tomb. So therein is how John the Baptist was put to death. He was put to death by beheading for preaching and teaching the Word of God. All right, we've got a little bit more time. Let's get to 44, verse 30, verse 30 to 44. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all these things, both what they had done and what they had taught. 
And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart unto a desert place and rest a while. I've got a message called How to Keep from Coming Apart. To come apart means to, to come away from what you're doing, to apart from it and come to me. We need to do that. I need to do that. The Lord has dealt. I have had a, <clears throat> and I am not complaining. Lord knows I'm not complaining because I, I, I need, always need business. It's how I make my living primarily. But there's times where we have to come apart from our day-to-day routine to rest and spend time with Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, verse 32, And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. <clears throat> and the people saw them coming, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and out with them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as a sheep not having a shepherd. So he sees the multitudes, and he, he's just in love with them. And he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the far country round about, unto the villages, and they themselves eat bread, for they have nothing to eat. And he answered and said unto them, Go ye them and to eat. And they said unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread? And gave them to eat. And he saith unto them, How many loaves have ye go and see? When they knew, they say five and two fishes. He commanded them to all sit down by companies upon the grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves, gave them to his disciples to set before them. The two fishes divided among them all, and they did all eat and were filled. They took up the twelve baskets full of fragments and of the fishes, and they did eat of the loaves. Were about five thousand men. All right, I'm not going to belabor that point too long, because I I want to um, I want to preach on that. I want to preach from that on how to keep from coming apart. Uh, on a Sunday morning, so I'm, I'm not going to spend a lot of time in that that text, that portion of text. And from there, we find Jesus walking on the water, and we, we've we've dealt with that. And um, let's close with that little story because I want to show you the objective. We're actually going to get through this entire chapter, and. Um, and I'm going to show you the objective of Jesus. He's always got a purpose. The Bible says that Jesus set his face like a flint to go into Jerusalem. And he never did anything just to kill the time. Jesus always had a purpose for the things that he does. And straightway he constrained his disciples to, to get into the ship, to go to the other side before into Bethsaida. He went and sent away the people. So he sent the people away, and when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and he would have passed by them. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit and cried out. I know people say they don't believe the ghosts. And spirits, but that's what the disciples thought they saw. I'm just telling you. 
for they all saw him. I'm not saying there are or not. I'm just telling you the disciples thought that's what they were seeing. And they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them and said unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. And he went up unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in themselves beyond measure and wondered, for they considered the miracles of the loaves, not the miracles of the loaves, for their heart was hardened. Now, he did that, he accomplished that, and we're going to close with these last four verses. And when they passed over, they came into the land of Genesaret and drew to the shore. So if they had died in that, that storm, what is about to occur would never have happened. And when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him and ran through that whole region round about, began to carry in beds those that were sick where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or countries, they laid the sick in the streets, besought him that they might touch it, if it were but the border of his garment, just like the woman, and as many as touched him were made whole. Now, what's the point? Why, why did you teach? Why did you go through all of that? You remember how we started? We started where Jesus said that he could do no mighty works there because of their unbelief. And a prophet is without honor, save in his own country. And then by the end of this chapter, he has, he has went into cities and villages and towns all over the place, and he's done great things. And the reality is he could have done great things in his own town and his own city had they been willing to accept him. And the point is, we've got to give him a chance People have to give him a chance. And if we give him a chance, he will always come through. But the people that, that were around him, that were growing up, never were willing to give Jesus a chance. Everyone needs a chance. But above all, give our Lord a chance to change your life, make it better, and save your soul. I hope you've enjoyed Mark chapter number 6. Mark chapter 6 in our Bible study in the Word of God. Good night. God bless. And I love you all.